Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. Now, let's get into God's Word tonight. We've been in a series called Marked. Marked. And the, and the idea is that you are called. And, and kind of our theme verse is Ephesians 1 and 13, when we read it to you. And you also were included in Christ Jesus when you heard the message of truth. Most of us, at some point in our life, maybe multiple times, have heard the message of truth. The message of truth being the gospel. That Jesus came down on the cross, gave his life for you, right, and ransomed for you in your place, that if you give and surrender your heart to him, then you can have eternal life. That's the message of truth. It says, it goes on the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, and here's the word, you are marked. You're marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we followed that up then. I think Paul is writing to Ephesians, and, and, and I believe Paul has this concept in mind when he says this to them and also to you and I. Ephesians 4 and 1. Therefore, because of that, therefore, a prisoner serving for the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you, 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 you have been called by God. And that brings all kinds of interesting emotions in that moment. And so some of you are you're like, yes, like, I'm called by God. I know that truth. That truth is deep in my heart. For others, it's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I have any talents, or I don't know if I have... But there's, there's a whole plethora of emotions in this of how you might respond to this idea of calling. And here's what I need you to hear. Your feelings will lie to you. We say that all the time. Your feelings will lie to you. And just because on this particular day you're not feeling so hot because you don't feel or because somebody said something or you lost a job or you're recently divorced or you've gone through something, you made some horrible decisions in your life and we all have, come on somebody, right? Listen, if you have made some bad decisions in your life, welcome to the club, people. You're in the perfect place, right? Because if you came to church of life thinking you're all fine, holy people, you're mistaken. <laughs> right? Look around you. Those people are jacked up. I say that sort of to laugh and sort of allow a little attention, but I say that because I want you to hear something. I've been reading through uh, Genesis with our young adults, and we're doing it with a staff now, and we're doing this kind of a Bible in a year kind of a thing. And I'm reading through Genesis, story after story after story of these people that are a mess. Come on, somebody. I mean, Jacob, who we refer to, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like we say these words, like they're the, like, that dude was shot, he was a, he was a liar, and deceiving, and conniving, and his mother was conniving, right, I mean, and, and what God keeps saying to me over and over as I'm reading this is, is, I work with messes, is what I specialize in. And so what, for some of you, when I talk about calling or I talk about purpose or whatever, and there's something inside of you, some kind of thought process that the enemy has driven into your thoughts that you don't count 
as much as somebody else. Or that, yeah, that maybe that sounds good for you, Pastor Mike, or for somebody else. But you don't really hear that. I need you to hear again. You were called by God. Each and every one of you. Each and every one of us has a calling. So we've been talking through that. And we only said this. We said, you know, if you're going to reach your calling, if you're going to do what it is that God has called you to do, something really important for us to understand. You can't stand on the platform that God has for you if you don't have enough character to support it. Right? So week one was this. The who comes before the do. In other words, who I am and the character has got to be the foundation of what I am. I see person after person who has moral failure. Why? They get to a certain place and they, the, the place, can't, the character can't withstand the pressure of the place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Week one, we talked about the who before the do. The last week, we said, all right, if we're starting to work on this calling, we're starting to work on understanding what I'm called to do, I need to start somewhere. So last week, we talked about starting just in our sphere of influence. Right? For those of you here, do you remember that? Let me encourage you. Not very often I say this, but I would say this to you. If you've missed any of this series, you need to go back and watch it. Some of these messages, I believe, for some of you, could be radically life-changing if you let the Holy Spirit get these thoughts in your head. But we start right with our sphere of influence, the, the, the place where God has put us. No, you are not here on accident. But many of us have decisions to make right now. Right? <laughs> when I started talking about this series and, and saying you're called, you're like, oh, okay, good, but... What am I called to do? Because I need some answers right now. And then Pastor Mike started talking about building your character. And you're like, eh, okay, that's great. Um, and you're serving, that's great. But I've got to make a decision this week. I've got something coming up. And I'm trying to figure out how do I make decisions? And what does it look like to decide? And all this. And I want you to hear today some very, very practical teaching on how to decipher your decision making. How to decipher... You're calling. How, how do we know? Here's the question. Is this God's will? You've been there. You've been in that place where it's either a decision or something coming, or, or you've got a job opportunity, or you've got something in front of you. And like, here's the question. Is this, is this God's will? Look at James 4 and 13. Now listen, you who say, today and tomorrow, or this day or that day, Of that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. What it's saying is, this is describing you and me. How many got a calendar? I mean, I know you fill out your calendar, or somebody does your calendar for you. If you're an assistant, you you know whatever kind of you know. If you're like me, I like if it has anything to do with after hours. I tell people call my wife and she'll set that schedule. Right? If it's during church hours, I tell call Lizzie or get on my calendar or whatever. But I, I mean, we live off this calendar and we plan and you probably have ideas of what you're going to do this week and that's what this says. Right? That you're going to do this. The faulty thinking happens in so many Christians and it's this. It's this. I'm saved now. I'm just going to survive life or try to win at life and ask God to bless what I do. Well, let that sink in for a second. Because this is like something, but I think that's about 85 to 90% of Christianity in the United States. We pray a prayer. We get baptized. Then we go, okay, 
I'm good. I'm going to heaven one day. Now I'm just going to try to win at life and ask God to bless what I decide to do. And I need you to hear that's the complete opposite of what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that when we pray that prayer, we don't pray a prayer to get a ticket into heaven. We pray a prayer of surrender. We surrender our will to his calling, right? So the verse goes on after saying, you know, listen, you guys are going to say, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. And then it says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist. It happens for a little while. And then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, catch this. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. Not in your notes when we read First John 2 and 17, the world and its desires pass away. All this stuff is going away. All this cool stuff we have, it's all going away. It's just stuff, right? And it's all going to pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. I don't know about you. I just want to know what the will of God is. Right? I, I, I want to know what, what is God's will. And for some of us, we're in all kinds of crazy decision dilemmas. Right? When you're a kid, it's do I play baseball or football? Right? You know, if you're, you're the parent of a kid, like, do I put them in GI lessons or do I think, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, and then, and then that kid gets to be a teenager and it's, you know, what college should I go to? Or should I go to trade school? Or should I go into the military? Or should I just try to take over the family business? Or do, and then you get into college and it's which major? This major or that major? And then after that I get into my career and well, should I marry that one? Should I marry this one? Uh, where are we going to live? How many kids should we have? Once you get married, where are we going to live? Um, should we get a dog or a cat? Let me help you with that one. It's always a dog and it's never a cat. No. All right. Dogs are remembering cats are remembering. All right, I'm just telling you now. Now, for those of you who are cat lovers, uh, if you'd like to correct me on that, you can send me an email to mikesnotgonnareadit.com. I'm just kidding. You just needed to laugh for a second. I'm just kidding. Don't get the cat. Anyway, so we're going through life trying to make the right decisions, and you're struggling. John 10 says this. God's people know his voice and respond to it. For most of us, let's be honest, that verse stinks. Why? Because we're wondering, do I hear his voice? Right? Most people don't hear that and go, yeah. Most people got to hear that and doubt sets in. Or, or the enemy whispers in your ear, right? And then you go, maybe I know his voice. I, I don't know. I want to help you with that today. Like, I want to help you because I think we've got to get tuned into the voice of God. We've got to get tuned in to what his calling is and what his will is. But man, we're having a hard time with that. Would you agree? And, and so we've got some crazy methods out there. Here's, here's a method that, 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 that I, I don't advise for you. It's called the fleece method. And it's, it's based on Old Testament. And it's, it's conditional. So if I walk out in the morning and it's raining, then this. And if it's not raining, then that. And honestly, it's really kind of a silly method because you're basing naturalistic things on spiritual things. And so I don't advise it. For example, it's the guy that drives up and goes, Lord, if it's your will. And I'm supposed to have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. And there will be a parking slot right in front of the front door when I drove by. And lo and behold, the fifth hour on the block, there it was. 
us. That's not the way it was determined. Well, how about the flip method? You know what the flip method is? Where you take the Bible and you flip and just point, flip and point, right? Well, one day I did that and you flip some point and this is what comes up. So, God had seized David's ambassadors and shaved them and cut off the roads at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. And he thought, well, let's try to eat him. Flips again and points again and it comes up. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, flip, flip, and point method is not a good idea either. Right? It's just, it's just really not. So let's talk about a better method. Right? The will of God. The, the will of God. Like, what is it that our Heavenly Father has designed? What does that look like? Is His will broad? Or is it pinpoint? Like, these are questions I've had all my life. Is there just one person to marry? Because if so, if you marry the wrong person, don't you jack everybody else up? That's a good question. Right? How about, how about this one? People will say, well, it was just their time. Right? I said, my pilot says, have you heard that? It was just their time. But here's my question. What if it's the pilot's time? That's a good question. Somebody can hold up. Right? Like, what, what, is, what is God's will? How do you find God's calling for your life or his will? And we start with, obviously, the development of our characters. When we start in verse 1, our character's going to be, be, be being built. That's why we said it week 1. And it, it, it starts with our sphere of influence. But now we've got to make some decisions. How? How do I make decisions? All right, let me give you the theology up front. And then I'm going to give you some very, very practical stuff at the end that you can put in play this afternoon and tomorrow to start discerning the will of God. Does that make sense? So, so, so let's talk about will. Let's talk about will. Because I want you to picture in your mind a circle, and you can even draw it on your paper, and I made up a silly little circle that looks like this. But I just want you to picture a circle two, two different halves, two different sides. Okay? Because our goal is we're trying to hit the target. We're trying to hit the middle of the circle. That's where God's will is. And one side of this circle is something called the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. That's what God is doing on the earth right now. That's what he's doing. Like God is at work. God's at work, y'all. Does anybody know that this morning? How, 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 how many of you know that God's at work in some places and he's not working in other places? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, he's doing things in certain places. Why is it that there's a revival happening here and not here? Well, he's, he's doing things and he's moving. And he's, I, I said it last week. I, I picture him like an aircraft, air traffic controller at, at Atlanta. Times a million. Right? As God is orchestrating each one of our lives and all our interactions and all these divine encounters, God is doing something. And part of us figuring out my will and, 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 and staying within a boundary that's going to help me find that will is knowing that I'm only going to find my will if it's tied to what God is already doing. There's the other side of that. The other side of that, the other frame of that, if you will, is the moral will of God. That's what God has already said. That would be his word, Right? In other words, let me give you an example. Dad comes to me and goes, you know, Pastor, I really need to talk to you. Okay, dude, what's going on? He says, um, I have to love. Um, I think this is the one. And so, uh, you know, I just, I just got to have to leave my wife and kids because this is the one. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is it's outside of the moral will of God, what God has 
he said, right? Then no, we can't. We don't divorce and leave. That's that's not what God's called us to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Whether it be sexual immorality, whether it be whatever, anything that God has already said, it frames something. So for us to find the will, in other words, the last one is the personal will of God. God's will for you. There's a personal will that he has for you. This is what God desires for your life. And it's there. Matter of fact, in Psalm 139, it says that the days of your life were written before you were formed in your mother's womb. Come on now. Are you living like your days were written before you were even formed? Or are you doing the survival thing? Right? Or are we just doing one day at a time, surviving, or paycheck to paycheck, or we're just trying to win things of this world? Or or do we understand that there is something bigger than me? There is something divinely motivated. There is the providential sovereignty of God who has orchestrated this day. And I got a part to play. And if I'm going to figure out the personal will he has, the will he has for me, then the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to frame it by understanding what God is doing around me was what God has already said. And anything outside of that is not his will for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Does that make sense? Let me say it to you this way. Break it down a little bit. Let me give you two questions that you can ask. And for those who are coming to Life Steps today, you're going to get to hear these again today. So we encourage you to join us for Life Step 3 today. But based on this, let me give you two questions to start with, not in your notes. And then I just add it. Based on the fact that God has a moral law, something he has already stated and already said. For example, sexual immorality is defined as any sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Period. Clicking on pornography. Or anything, anything outside of that is outside of his moral law. You cannot be standing over here, come on, outside the moral law, and hear his will for you. You're going to miss it. Are you following me? You're going to be deceived. You're going to be confused. You're going to be messed up in your thinking because it doesn't work that way. So here's the question based on moral law. What am I doing that I should not be doing? What am I doing that I should not be doing? And let me encourage you to be this very real and raw. And every single one of us in here can answer this question. Every one of us. Every one of us probably should be trying to answer this question daily. Because for some of us, it's a bad attitude. For some of us, it's it's an area of lust. For for some of us, it's an area of integrity. Right? It's it's tax time. What is it that not doing that I should not be doing. Here's that, that same verse in Psalm 139 where it says, my days are formed before I was formed in my mother's womb. You know what the last two verses of that says? Search me. Test me, O God. Right? Lead me back to the way everlasting. See, my job is not to tell you to do this and to not do that. I don't think that's a pastor's job at all. I don't think it's my job to go, point fingers and all this kind of thing. I think my job is to lead you to the one that you might have a relationship with in such a way that you want to give up those things because he's better. Because he has better results. And I see better results in my life and in my relationships and in all that I do when I know him and when I get within his sovereign and 
is completely different. There's a contentment and a fulfillment that you cannot describe to someone. You just have to experience it for yourself. So, moral law, what am I doing that I should not be doing? That's the boundary on this side. The boundary on this side is the sovereign law of God. So here's the question. What am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? In other words, God's at work around me. What do I need to get involved with? And yes, it may mean I'm going to sacrifice something else. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, like, I probably have packed my schedule to the place where adding anything is going to be the subtraction of something else. So what is it that I'm doing that is doing nothing but spinning my wheels or filling time or not carrying me into that place? Because if you want to know what God has called you to do, you're going to have to find yourself within what he is already doing. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the things I loved about the original conversations when we started forming this church was some conversations like this. There's a lot of great stuff going on in our community already. Like, First Baptist, their ministry village is killer. Right? Absolutely awesome. What they're doing over there, Bill Jones is running it. You know, you got Wanda at the Pregnancy Care Center. You got John Drax at the, at the Samaritan Abbey. They're doing some really phenomenal things. Why would we as a church want to do the same things? Why would we not support what they're already doing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to build our own little empire and our own little place and all this kind of stuff. What is God doing around you that you just need to get involved with? And then God will tell you what he's called you to do, and you'll fill a niche that's not being met in that particular area. You hear what I'm saying to you? So, well, it's a teen center, because that's the place that's not being met necessarily in our community. And so we work together because we are all the church. First Baptist is the church. And Frontier is the church. And the Father's House is the church. If Paul was going to write a letter to the church in Leesburg, he would not write it to Church of the Lights. He would write it to the church in Leesburg. And we all get a copy. Right? We're the, we're the, we're the church. So what's God doing? And why would we not work with other churches? Or, or other people when they've already got something going on. One of the biggest issues we have in Leesburg is a whole bunch of services by a whole bunch of small entities that aren't working together doing the same services. Why? Pride. Ego. We want to be the one. We want, we want to be the man. We want to listen. No, 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 no. What is God doing? And how do I get involved? Let, let, let me encourage you to go into the thought of finding God's will with your first assignment being to find a mop. Or a scrub brush. And don't scrub the toilet of somebody else who's already doing something great for God. Somebody said to me a long time ago, and I can remember as a young pastor, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. He said to me, when you start to serve someone that God's already using, your calling will come in that. And I can remember being young, and you know, we're young, we're going to conquer the world, and do all this stuff. But now I see over the years, after years of serving some other pastors, and doing, that God develops our character in that process going, and then brings us to a point where he says, now this is your niche, now this is your piece, now this is your, are y'all getting it, are y'all following me? Sovereign will of God, moral will of God, when, when we boundary that, we can begin to find what God has called us individually to do. All right, so that's, that's the theology. Let me get really, really practical. Let me break this thing down. Because 
Sometimes, you know, I know we hear stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's really good. But how do I put it that into living order? Right? How, how do I kind of grasp that? So, so let, me, let me give you, I'm going to give you six steps. I'm going to close with this today. Six steps, six tests. If you want to test something, whether or not it is the will of God. Okay? Six ways. I, I'm off my bottom line here. I guarantee it will radically change you following God. If every time you have a decision, you'll put it through all six, all six. You hear me? All six, all six of these. Look at verse John 4 and 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. All right, let me change that word. Do not believe every thought, feeling, media outlet. Some of them have spirits behind them, but I'll leave them alone. All right? Don't, don't, don't. Everything that comes, everything that comes your way, don't, don't believe everything, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So I'm going to give you six biblical filters to help you make decisions. Six biblical filters to help us stay in God's will. Based on that theology, based on the idea of sovereign will, moral will of God, number one is what we just talked about. Number one is that whole piece of what we just talked about. And it's just simply this. Am I in a right relationship with God? Am I in a right relationship with God? Because here's what happens. Let's put that circle back up. So, so here we are, and I'm going, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, man, I'm trying to hit the target, trying to find out what God's will is. But you know what? I'm over here, and I'm flirting with somebody at work, and I'm playing, and I'm cheating with stuff, and, and all this kind of stuff. And I have no idea why I cannot figure out the will of God. Because you're sitting over here in the dark. Maybe we're outside of what it is, or maybe we're just sitting around in our house, not doing anything, not looking for what God is doing or the work that He's already doing. And so I'm sitting off here on the other side, and, it, 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 and we've got to find it. Am I in the right relationship with God? That's a big question you need to ask yourself this morning. Some of you need to pray with our prayer team today. Remember, prayer team, they would love to pray with you. Right over on the side here, right after when we we'll dismiss. Maybe you need to go pray with somebody and say, you know what, today, would you, would you pray with me that? My heart gets right, because I'm outside of his will in this particular area, or I'm not even paying attention to what he's doing in this particular area. Romans 12, to do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, check this out, then you will be able to test and approve God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Number two, number two, what does the Bible say? Moral law of God. What, what, what does the Bible say, right? Am I considering something that God has already said no to? So here's, here's a lot over the years, 15 years as a youth pastor. Pastor Mike, here comes this, you know, little 15-year-old girl. Pastor Mike, um, so I, I really like this guy, and I just want to know what you thought. And I'm like, all right, well, tell me about him. And so the first question I always ask is, <laughs> where does he go to church? Well, he, he doesn't go to church. And I've threatened my girls. This is, this is a true story. I've threatened my girls that once they get real serious with God, I'm going to take his time and drink. I was real curious to see what kind of reaction I would get there. Because here's why. Somebody who's going to rob God is not going to rob me and my daughter. Come on now. Let me get real for a minute. I, I, I said, I, I see this little girl, so he doesn't go to church. No, but I just think I could get him to come and all this. Ladies, we call that missionary dating. And let me respond to you from God's word. 
Second Corinthians. What does the unbeliever have in common with the believer? This is nothing. What does darkness have in with light? Not so, so the answer there, listen to me, the answer is no, that's, that's not why. It's outside of the moral law of what God has already said. Do you hear what it, Like, we, we, again, we do this. We negotiate and we look for loopholes. And now, listen to me. For those of you who really want to find the will of God, it's going to require you being very dirt honest with yourself and saying, I will submit and surrender my life to whatever God's word says. I got one person that agrees. Because it's hard, right? Come on. It's all fun to for us to sit here in church and act holy. Oh, yeah, the word of God. It's a whole other thing when you are standing in line at the DMV. And it says that thing about turning the other cheek. That's crap. Come on. Right? But for us to surrender means... We say, whatever your word says, God, whatever you say, what does the Bible say? Let Luke 2, 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Right? Listen to me, it doesn't matter what culture says. We're in a cultural revolution right now. Right? The dark side is trying to take over all kinds of areas of our culture right now. We are not a church or a people that follow culture. We follow God. We follow his word and what his word says. Is it uncool right now? Yes. Is it untrendy right now? Yes. But guess what? Trends come and go. And God's word will stand forever and ever and ever. Amen. Right? Forever. Forever. Number three. Take you back a little bit. You should bring these bracelets. What would Jesus do? Remember the WWJD bracelets? You know what I'm on, Marcus? Marcus. You saw old school. And here's what Marcus is trying to figure out in his life, right? Just kidding. What, what, what would Jesus do? What, what would Jesus do? Here's the question is, what is the heart and spirit of our Savior? I am a follower of Jesus. So here's the question, are you? Am I? Am I in word or am I in deed? Because in deed, here's what I know. When they spit in Jesus' face, he said nothing. I'm going to just tell you that right now, that one for mine is tough. Right? To think about that reality. For somebody that just, I mean, when, when Judas came, he ate with him the whole time, knowing he was going to betray him. I'm sure he was kind. I'm sure he had a conversation with him. See, this is, the, this is the heart and the spirit. But we are now in a culture that says, oh, no, 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 you've got to get yours. Right? If somebody wrongs you, you've got to run them back. If somebody posts something, you've got to post back. That way, it sets us down. And that is not the spirit of our, of our Savior. The spirit of our Savior, you know the only time, he, at least the way I read his word, the only times he really got mad was at church people. Right? The rest of the time he was patient and kind and forgiving over and over and over again. James 3 and 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, which is the opposite of Jesus, 
Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual and devil. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all, come on, is this decision I'm about to make pure? Is this decision I'm about to make peace-loving? Is this decision considerate of all other people involved? Is it submissive? Submissive? Nothing in our culture says be submissive. Right? Nothing. Nothing in our culture says be submissive. God's word says be submissive to submit yourself, deny yourself. Consider someone else better than yourself. Is this decision full of mercy and good friend? Is impartial? Is it sincere? Number four. Number four. We're walking through our test of figuring out God's will, or is this something you should? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Please underline godly, circle it, highlight it, and let me just say this to you. Many of us don't really do a good job of defining that word in this scenario. You know, somebody in my life many years ago who I had always held up to a big standard, just like, man, this person is, they're godly and this and that and this and blah, blah, blah. And they did some things to me, but I had set them up on a pedestal so high that I was like, well, I know they're going through this right now, but they're godly. And I had somebody look at me and say, somebody godly wouldn't say what they said to you. It was this revelation of what we do when we put people on pedestals. And so maybe you think your friend is godly, but let me ask you, are, are they? Like, do they hear from God? Are, are they in their world? Like, you need people around you who are seeking the Spirit of God on, on such a level that no, they're not worried about your comfort or how you'll feel you need godly counsel. Who do you ask tough questions to? And do they have enough leeway to tell you your poop stinks? I have surrounded myself with people who, who agitate me somewhat. And I have done that purposefully because here's what I know. Your thoughts are what's taking you where you're going. And if my thoughts are never agitated, if I don't ever think about things from a different angle or a different way, then I'm only going to the same way I'm going to run. I'm going to get the same results and the same thing. I need people around me to go, that's a dumb way of thinking. And I need to go, who do you You need godly counsel. Proverbs 11 and 14. For lack of guidance, the nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. That's my hope for you. I want you to have sure victory. Number five. Number five. Now this one's i got to be careful with this, but it's, do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? Now, what did I say a little while ago? Your feelings will lie to you, right? Yes, your feelings will lie to you. So I have a many, many people come and do the whole, yeah, we're, I'm leaving them and taking off with, you know, Sally Joe, and I just have God's peace. Now, that's not God's peace. That's your rationalization, right? Because it's outside of moral will and sovereign will. You hear what I'm saying to you? Right, but God's peace, there's this still small voice. The Old and the New Testament talks about a still small voice that God has. First Corinthians 14 and 33. For God, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 
Same thing this way. You can't find God's peace if you don't sit still. Right now, there's some of you. It's not why she sat still all week. But we've got to come to a place, right? A relationship, we've got to counsel, we've got to read his word. But I've also got to have a time where I'm still enough to say, God, is this you or is this me? Because Mike lies to Mike. I don't know about you. But Mike rationalizes and, and Mike comes up with all kinds of things. And so that leads to this very last one. Probably the biggest one of all, most important of all, is this. Is it my will or is it God's will? It's probably one of the most healthy questions that we can ask ourselves. Lord, today, I'm going to have some desires, some temptations, some opportunities that look really, really, really good. But what's my will? And what's your will? Pastor Rodin counsels me. Tells me all the time there's a big difference between good and best. He said, you know what? You guys, church and legs, y'all are doing great things in school, blah, 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 blah. You're going to have a lot of good opportunities. I do. Right? Because as soon as you start having a little success, what happens? Everybody wants to jump on the, the, the train, you know, kind of thing. So I get phone calls from organizations and people and all that. Because, oh, church and legs, oh, they give away a lot of money. I should get to know Pastor Mike. We have a lot of good opportunities. And they, if there's one glaring weakness that Mike has, it's, I'm really bad at saying no. Like I say yes to everything and over extend myself and overcommit. Because it all looks so good, right? It's all good. Well, listen to me. There's a, there's a will that God has for you and it's best. There's a difference. And we've got to get to a place where I can decipher between what's good and available best. Lord, today I need you to guide me. I need to sit still long enough to hear your voice. I need to sit still to know it's your peace and not my rationalization. I've got to have your, your, your moral will, your word. I've got to know what's in the Bible because that's got to frame one side of my decision making here. And then I've got to look around at what's going on around me and what you're doing in this. And if you can understand that if I'm way off over here, that I may not be in your will at this time for this particular place and where I am. See, some of you have some big dreams. That's some great things, but it's not time yet. And the way you know that is, is God working in that area? Is God bringing other people to, to, to work in that particular area, right? Like, we can see that in that process. So I've got some crazy dreams. I sat there with a guy who was this like eccentric genius finance guy. And he said, What's some of your biggest dreams? And I gave him a couple of dreams. And he goes, Okay, what else? And I came up with it. And he goes, I feel like we're just, you're giving me silly stuff. Money's no object. Billions of dollars if you need it. What are your dreams? So I started going crazy. $90 million later. Right? $90 million later, Gilead <laughs> said, I think we can do this. I thought you're crazier than one of you. And then he looked at me and said, Well, that's funny because you're the preacher that stands up there and talks about how big your God is. 
What is God's will for your life? What is God's calling for your life? It's there. It's there. Are you hearing me? It's there. As long as, first we're framing it. Moral will, moral will, sovereign will. It's got to be within those boundaries. Outside those boundaries, we don't hear it and we don't have it. But I'm telling you right now, we've got to be, we're followers of Jesus, so let me read the Proverbs, Matthew 26 and 39. He's in the garden, and he basically is going, dude, this crucifixion idea stinks. Right? And that's what's going on inside of Jesus. He's going, do you know what I was looking to heaven next to you, Dad? So a great idea. Now I'm sitting down here and they're about to come beat the mess out of me. This, you know, hey, do you have any other ideas? This conversation's over his head. And he goes, well, I've already been as possible. May this cup be taken from me yet. Not as I will. But if you will. This is for us. This is what we do as far as Jesus. What is it for you today that you need to lay down? Surrender. Let go. What is it that you need to frame within the context of God's will for your life? Because I promise you, there's nothing that you're holding on to so tightly right now. But if you will let go and let God do what He wants to do in that particular area, that you won't see tenfold on the other side of that. Nothing. Nothing this world has to offer is like being in the will of God. So many of you here have wrestled for so long. One foot in the world, one foot trying to do the God thing, one foot in the world, one foot. And, 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 and you keep getting the same results. And, you keep, and, and what I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, man, I'm, I'm begging you this morning. Because my heart's desire for you is that fulfillment and that contentment and that joy that comes when you find yourself doing what God has called you to do. It's awesome. It's awesome to watch. It is. It's so. It's so much fun to watch. I, I I love to sit in the back of the classroom and watch my wife do kids ministry or teaching classroom. It's what she's made to do. You know what I'm saying? It's so much fun. And, and that's what I want. I, 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 I want to take you to that journey. I want to help you find that place. But we're going to have to frame this thing within that context. Does that all make sense to everybody? So I challenge you. I challenge you to start this week with these six tests. These six tests. And if you don't have somebody to run a test, well then, that's why we have small groups. That's why you need to get, get plugged in. That's why you need to come to Life Steps in a little bit. Just so you know, because some of you have been like, oh, you heard this Life Step thing. Well, you know, I don't know what it's all about. The last couple of weeks we've had like 15 to 20 people in Life Steps. There's a whole group of people coming to Life Steps right now. Matter. I hope my heart is just overpouring on you right now. I know what I'm wanting for you. Are, you. are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Some of you need to come and get on the dream team. And you go, well, yeah, Pastor, you're going to say that because y'all probably need volunteers. No, we don't need volunteers. What we want is dream teamers, but we don't need volunteers. Because dream teamers have said, you know what? God's doing something, so I'm just going to get on board somewhere. That sovereign part, sovereign little God. I'm just going to plug in. And, I, and I, I can't even explain to you the clarity of your life that will come when you start doing what God is doing. When you start pulling your life back into the moral boundaries that God has created, it, 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 
It changes it all. It has to be about surrender. So many Christians that don't really want God's will, they just want God to bless their will. God, I want, I want you if. God, I want you but. You can't live that way in the will of God. Can't. So let's surrender today. There's peace on the other side. Salvation. Salvation is, is getting saved. And surrendering your life so that he can guide you into the contentment and joy and fulfillment. Because now you know you're doing what you were created to do. Salvation is not a one-time thing where you got a ticket and you go to heaven. Salvation is the beginning of a story, an adventure, something God wants to call you to. And let me pray for you this morning. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray, God, I just sense in my spirit a spiritual struggle this morning. Of some that maybe have given up on this idea of calling or significance. Or something you've called them to do. Maybe just been so beaten down on this world that you've told everything that's wrong with them or everything they don't have or the inabilities they have or the lack of resources or whatever it is that would you speak to their heart right now and remind them that they are yours your heavenly father needs you to hear something right now I love you and I'm so excited about who you are and I want to take your life and do something miraculous with it and I, and I know it's scary to surrender to me as I said, Jesus down and he knows exactly what it is to feel what you're feeling right now. But would you just take a chance today and surrender your heart to me? Let me show you what I can do with your life. If you'll surrender your heart to me today. And I let you, I want to give you some words. Nothing special about my words, just sincerity in your heart. Something like this. Today, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender it all. My life. It's your life, the life you created with purpose and meaning. Forgive me for doing other things with the life that you have given me. Help me, God, now to find myself back in your will. Show me who you called me to be and what you called me to do. And as best as I know how today, I'll try to follow you. I'll try to serve you. I'll try to do what you created me to do. Some of you need to pray today or re-surrender. It's so easy for us to be carried away by this world and get caught up in finances and kids and schedules and everything else. Some of us just need to put the poles up today again. Maybe you gave your life many years ago, but maybe right now you're just recognizing, you know what, I need a new level of surrender today. I need a new time where I just go, it's all you. It's all, it's all yours, God. Whatever part, whatever, show me right now. Holy Spirit, test me, search me. Tell me those things that are outside of your moral law and give me courage to make a change this week. Guide me, God. Power me. The Holy Spirit wants to do something amazing, amazing in each one of your hearts today. God, we thank you for this. We pray it all in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.